For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Dumb by The Fail Coach. We're doing another interview today, uh, or this will be more like a conversation. We have Katie here with us. Um, Katie, welcome to the show. Can we start uh, My name's Kathy. Do you mind starting over? Oh, yeah, sure. Kathy, okay. Yeah, sorry. You see, you asked me about mine, and I was so sure that I, I know exactly how to pronounce yours. So I hate to interrupt you, but... <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Kathy. Okay. Um, yeah, let's start again. Okay. Hello, uh, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Down by the Fail Coach. We have another interview, or more like a conversation today, and we have Kathy here with us. Kathy, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, and please introduce yourself a little bit to our audience first. Yeah, my name's Kathy Quillett, and I am over here in the States. Um, and I am a marriage and family therapist by profession and have recently started dabbling a little bit in fertility coaching. So in my, in my practice, I specialize in um, infertility and pregnancy loss. Uh, that's really all I treat. And so I, I have a therapy practice here in Nashville, Tennessee, and have just started doing within the last maybe six, eight months, um, some coaching. So I'm kind of new to all this and I've, I've learned some, some good and some bad lessons along the way. Perfect. Kathy, uh, did I mention to you when we had our introduction call? Uh, how much I need to come to Nashville, Tennessee one day because I so much want to do the line dancing. And when I was in Dallas, I wasn't able to find a place where to do that. You did mention that. And I have kept my eye out so that I could tell you. Um, and I'll be honest, I haven't been able to find some. But oh. all that means is I'm just not looking in the right places. Okay. okay. But if I move it over here, I will have found somewhere for you. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I'm already looking forward to it. Okay. Um, so we are not going to talk about uh, infertility, um, but right. what we will talk about today, we'll talk about your entrepreneurial journey. So the migration into being entrepreneur, the transition, not the migration, the transition. And then, you know, some of the steps that you did some that did work some that didn't work and the lessons that we can learn from from both from the successes and from the let's call them failures or mishaps or um however we want uh but yeah um tell us a little bit maybe uh about your before the entrepreneur life and the background and what made you make the decision to jump into the entrepreneurial waters 
Well, let's just get one thing straight here. I never wanted to be a business owner. I, I did not ever want to be an entrepreneur. And here I am standing in <laughs> all of these waters, still trying to figure it out. So um, I guess I, we used to live in Ohio and when we lived up there, I was really comfy in being part of other people's practices. Um, I worked close to 10 years um, at the same practice, um, not owning, not having to be in charge of anything. And that was just a really comfortable place for me to be. And I thought that that was going to be the place that I would just exist forever. And then we moved to Tennessee about two and a half years ago. And I tried to put myself back in that niche again. And I just thought, I don't think I fit in this anymore. Let me see what I can do for myself. And so first what I did is I went out on my, my own in my marriage and family therapy practice. Um, and that worked well, that worked well. Um, and I, that, uh, that business has done well for itself. Um, and then I, I kept getting calls, um, from people around the country saying, will you be my therapist? And I thought, well, I can't do that because I'm bound by state lines, but let me just, let me just see what other services, let me, let me see how I can support you in other ways. And it was really from there that I found myself kind of thrust into another business that, um, started out with a, just a, an online therapeutic resource, kind of like a course for people to go through. And then I found people wanted to, to talk and not just hear my voice. And so I started coaching. Um, and so I, I think that's how everything, everything started. Okay. I mean, what I find interesting here is uh, when I'm helping fellow entrepreneurs, um, I always tell them that the easiest way to start a business is if you already have an audience uh, that is interested into something and then basically you just have to listen to that audience and that's exactly what you did here you you had an audience of people who were calling you asking you for your services and you said okay let me see how i can help you how i can support you in certain ways uh so that uh, um so in, and how then your offering grew with that so i find this really really interesting and lovely because i i believe that that's the easiest way to start any business uh, instead of coming up with a product or a service and then you have to figure out if there's anybody who wants to buy it uh, but <clears throat> kathy one thing uh, i think that james bond said never say never uh, so, you know, and it's funny, I, I don't think I ever wanted to become a coach. I kind of just fell into it. Yeah. And, and, and once I started doing it and once I started seeing, um, the impact that you can have on people and how you can help them and so on, it all started making sense. But if somebody would tell me, I don't know, 10 years ago, Mika, one day you will be a coach. I would probably laugh at them so hard. And I would probably bet everything that I have that they are wrong. <laughs> yeah. Lesson learned through all of this. Never say never. 
Yes. So you say, okay, when you left Ohio and, and you went in, uh, to live in Nashville, you already started your private practice. So that was kind of your first move into being a business owner. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. I, I tried for about, maybe it was a year. I, I joined a practice. Um, and then I realized just, I, I just, I think I had some personal growth um, that led me away from that and just said, I can do this on my own. Okay, cool. Why not? Why not? Um, yeah, um, exactly. Um, so how was that whole transition into being a business owner? Um, you know, how did you even start? I mean, mm. one thing was a decision. Okay. I can't find something that resonates with me. So I guess I'll just start something on my own. I'm guessing that that could be uh, one, one part of it. Yeah. So I'm a dreamer by nature. Um, I, I, I always come up with these ideas. Um, and I, I typically know that it's a good idea if my husband gets on board. So he was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and I think my husband and I together have zero years of uh, any business knowledge. So <laughs> okay. we both thought like, hey, let's start this business. And what did we do first? Um, I, and I'm speaking about my online business, not my therapy practice, but I think we started saying, here are all the things that we can do. Here are all the things that we can offer. Let's do that. And what we didn't do, which were, you know, this just really plays into what we didn't do well, is we didn't stop to ask questions. <laughs> we just said, we're offering all these things, come, come get them from us. And we didn't know anything about business. We didn't know business strategy. We didn't know how to use the right words for marketing. We didn't know how to use the right colors for marketing. We didn't, we didn't know how to do any of it, like pricing or website, any, anyways. So we, we just said, here's our idea. We're going to do it. Come, come use our services. But we didn't stop to ask how. Or I, I keep saying we. He has a job. <laughs> it was mainly, okay. let's be honest. It was me. It was me. Well, but with Run support from him, I guess. Yeah, sure. It was, um, I just didn't want to completely throw him under the bus in front of the mass. <laughs> <laughs> because it was really me. It was... It was me saying, here are all the things that I have to go do. And I, I offer these things, but I didn't stop to figure out how. Okay. Um, but how did you start building an audience? Did you already have an audience? Uh, I, did. I did a little bit. I wrote a book uh, three years ago. And okay. from that... Um, I had a little bit of a platform and people had bought it and they had read it. And so on Facebook and Instagram, um, some community existed. And so I just, I mean, my business plan really in its elementary, very naive stages was just tell them about it. That's, that's just how I started was spreading the word with them. I built a website. I didn't build a website. I had somebody build a website for me. And then I just told the audience that I had built through the book. Yeah, but I mean, that's a good way to approach it. 
in all honesty, that's that's one of the best ways how you start building a business. You you created a platform through something that you enjoy, mm -hmm. and then uh, that platform gave you some audience. Maybe it wasn't you know hundreds of thousands of people, but you know it was enough of interested people in who are interested in what you do and what you have to offer and you listen to them and you started creating products or services mm -hmm. that they were asking for so that's really the best way to start any business so you did everything in the best possible way <laughs> i'm glad to know that i did something okay that you would have maybe coached me along those same ways so I count that as a win. Yes, absolutely. But okay, so um, you started creating offers and, and you kept like, how, how, were, how did you keep asking? When you say I kept asking, like, did you frequently had conversations with your audience, uh, jumping on calls with them and asking them or through your posting or how, how were you asking uh, the hows and the whats and the whys and so on? You mean about what they needed? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I think just being part of the community that I'm a part of in, I know we're not talking about infertility, but like the infertility community, um, I, think, I think the needs that the women experience are pretty universal, um, although experienced very differently. And so through clients or through my coaching clients, um, and yes, online, I, I would hear the same themes of, well, we need this, or we need a voice for this, or um, I feel really lonely or whatever. And so um, I, I guess I just tried to, to hear that and think, how can I be a piece of, of bridging that? I think a big piece of why I'm niched in the community that I'm niched in and the clientele that I'm niched in is because I'm really passionate about changing, changing the voice and bridging the gap. Um, and I just want to be a voice in that landscape. And so, um, yeah, I guess in hindsight, looking back, I, I guess I asked more questions than I thought that I was asking. Um, but um, yeah, I think people would just tell me like, here's a need or I would speak somewhere, do a group or something. And the voices were the same. And I, I'm a little bit of a people pleaser and I wanna, <laughs> I'm a helper. And so I would just try and fill those gaps for them. Yeah, that, that's all very perfect. So you, you were putting yourself out there. Um, you had the expertise, the knowledge. So that was a big leverage. You had the leverage of a little bit of an audience already. And it's, it's often like, like it's more beneficial to ask questions than to than anything else. I think there's a book out there that's titled Questions Are the Answers. And, and it goes along those lines that, you know, the more we ask questions, the more answers we get. And then it's it's easy because those uh, suggestions come from people who you really wanted to serve anyway and, and to help anyway. And they were telling you like, this is what we need. And um, I don't know, how did you, how did you find the right price point for your services? Did you also ask 
them about it or was it your your guessing or how did you price your product uh truthfully i'm sh i'm still not sure that i've done it well <laughs> uh, <laughs> my online course that i that i have um i originally priced it too high and then i reached out um i think on instagram and just said essentially not in these words but why aren't you buying it like what's the obstacle to you not buying it and they said it's overpriced we are already spending a lot of money on like fertility treatment and whatever and what you're asking from us is just unreasonable for this population so i changed it um and then i ended up decreasing it again because i still wasn't um and so I think it's been, how did I do it? I, I looked around and I think I researched, especially when it came to like my actual coaching clients. Um, I did a lot of research on what other coaches were doing. And then I went a little bit lower than that, not as a business strategy, but because I'm a helper more than an entrepreneur, I think. But um, also, knowing that the population of people that I'm serving are spending a lot of money to get pregnant and people don't like to spend a lot of money on mental health stuff. And so I tried to make it something that would be desirable to them. All that to say, I don't know that I did it well, but it's what it is right now. <laughs> I think, I think um, like if I can give you one suggestion, um, if I was you, I would try to find somebody who is a good content writer, not copywriter, but content writer, a, more of a storyteller person, um, and figure out how you can put uh, more emphasis using the words that your audience wants to hear or that they are using yeah. on how you present them what you do and, and what are the benefits of what you're doing. Um, and then, and then uh, that might increase how they view your product or your service. Because uh, from what I'm sensing here, like let me explain you a little bit. Um, I came up with this term. I don't know if it's a real term that, you know, it's taught in business school or not, but that's just how I explain it. Um, that we, when we are clients, we have this perceived value mm -hmm. uh, that how we look at, at things and that there is this perceived value ladder. And so if I'm solving a logical problem with a logical solution, that's consumer consumer stuff where, where you know like let me give you an example i'm out of print the paper in my printer i go to the nearest shop i i buy the paper and voila i'm done i'm just gonna pick one from the the shelf and i'm not gonna look at any statistics or qualities or anything but that's because for me printing is just that printing but maybe a friend of mine who is a photographer and who uses paper in a different way than I do, he probably makes like this whole doctoral degree before buying uh, a certain piece of paper. Um, so, you know, if your communication, the way you're explaining things 
and what, what they get if, if I don't know, I, I haven't seen any of your sales pages or, or anything. So I, I'm just guessing here, but if, you know, a, a lot of coaches say, Oh, you get four hours of one-on-one -on -one coaching and three works books and, and five, this and, and seven, this, this are numbers. This is logic. So you are solving, you're trying to solve a logical problem uh, with the logical solution. Now, you can't solve a logic, uh, uh, an emotional problem with logical solution. That's very hard. Very rarely can be done. Now, uh, a much higher on the ladder is when you solve a logical problem with emotional solution. But the best one, price-wise, and to position yourself as a premium brand, as a premier in somebody who helps people, is when you really, in your communication, when you communicate that you solve the emotion with the emotion. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I mean, um, I, I haven't had, you know, this infertility problem, so I can't really just guess what kind of emotions go through your clients um, in, uh, with, when it comes to the pain points or the struggles and what yeah. kind of emotions would be when, when they would be able to, conceive a child and have a child. Um, so I, I can't really say what the words to use, but for example, let's go with the coaching business, you know, like it's logical that every coach wants more clients, like who wouldn't. Right. Um, but maybe the struggle is not, not having, you know, uh, uh, enough clients. Maybe the struggle is I have enough clients, but I have no time. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, that would still be logical, but I don't have enough time to spend with my family. Now, that, that's something where you have more emotion involved, you know? Yeah. And so if, if I say, um, you know, like, oh, do you want more clients? Are you struggling with not having enough clients? You want more clients? Bam, here is my master class on how to get more clients. That would be logic with logic. Now, right. if I would, you know, say, wow, would you really want to spend more time with your family, playing with your kids? And the more I can go deep into that, you know, the more I can be the Harry Potter of copywriting, you know, uh, where when you read Harry Potter, you can, you close your eyes and you can see those staircases uh, move around the castle and so on. So when you, when you can really create copy that, that paints that picture of the negative and the positive emotion that they will get, um, that's when you position yourself in, in the highest, uh, mm -hmm. in the emotion with emotion. And that's where uh, then you, you can, you know, also have higher prices and, and, and so on. And you're that premium person that they go to when they need uh, to solve a problem. Yeah, that gives me... Now, just just a little bit for, for thinking and, and for this kind of content, uh, you need a good content writer um, mm -hmm. who is really good with, you know, the emotions and describing emotions and senses and so on. So a storyteller, not a, not a, not a copywriter because copywriters, their, their aim is to write copy that converts. Mm. That's who you need for, you know, your sales page, but for the content that drives people to your sales page, uh, for your content that you're posting in, on your social media and so on, 
content that people get familiar with when they get to know who you are and, and what you do, that really needs to be the storytelling content. Yeah, that's good. Well, the best decision I've ever made for my business happened yesterday and I hired a business coach. <laughs> oh, wow. Perfect. All of that stuff. So I uh, had to humble myself a little bit and say, you know, Kathy, you really don't know what you're doing being a business owner. Um, I know what to do with my part of the business, but I don't know how to run a business. So um, I hired a business coach and I feel like that was a really good decision. And hopefully... Uh, this person can help me with everything that you're saying, because you're right. Like that all sounds really good. I mean, you just mentioned the storytelling of Harry Potter's staircase and I'm still picturing it in my head. <laughs> that's yeah. That's, that's the power of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, congrats on this decision. I don't know why it's such a hard decision for uh, like, you know, I mean, if you look at it, like, if we look at any successful uh, athlete out there, whether that's a tennis player, skier, football player, soccer player, whatever it is, they all have coaches. They all have uh, right. multiple coaches. Uh, when you look at big CEOs of, of, I don't know, Fortune 500 companies, they all have people, uh, maybe they don't say that they're their coach, maybe it's an advisor or, you know, like it's different name, but it's somebody who helps you and who is unattached to your current moment. Even us business coaches, um, we have our own coaches and we have our own mentors because we all suck when it comes to our own business right. because we are too emotionally attached it's our baby and we are every day in it. And, and so it's often very hard to see outside of the box and to, to have that outside perspective. And that's what really a good coach uh, brings into your business is that outside perspective. And also, I mean, for you, for example, because you are at a, such an early stage in your entrepreneurial journey, you don't just need a coach the way we understand what coaches are, just asking us questions. You also need, um, you know, coach slash teacher, <clears throat> somebody who can teach you and walk you through things that are completely new to you. Right. So cool. Good decision. Um, very good decision. Um, so, okay, let's go back a little bit into your early stages. Uh, you did mention that there were you know, struggles or, or mishaps or failures uh, that were happening uh, along that journey. Would, would you mind, you know, sharing a few of them and, and the lessons that you learned from them? Yeah. Um, I think that I felt, I fell victim to comparison sometimes. Like I had an idea and I thought, well, this person has an idea and their idea might look prettier, like has a prettier bow on it and maybe they're doing it better or maybe they have a few more followers. So my idea must be really stupid. Instead of having the confidence in my own voice, um, I, I think I've listened too much. I think there's power in listening, obviously. Um, but I, I don't think I always listened to the right voices. Um, so that was a struggle for me. And I just, I had to stop that and realize that I got to stand on my own two feet and that 
Um, I think something that I have to keep reminding myself is like, Kath, you belong at the table too. Like you have something to offer. You can show up in this space and like inner critics can be good. Your inner voice can challenge you, but it doesn't have to stifle you. So that was something I learned. Um, I think it, another one is just something that we done earlier is that I didn't ask um, questions to begin with. I didn't, I, I think my biggest fault is I tried to be a coach without a coach, like you were just talking about. Now in my world of therapy, I know that it takes the average person five years too long to, to start therapy. And that one of the hardest parts of therapy is calling a therapist. And so I, uh, I should have started with, you know, instead of like, how do you like Googling, how do you do marketing? I should have gotten a marketing expert, right? Googling, how do you do a website? I should have gone to a website developer and instead of just trying to take the really cheap way and just like trying to figure it out on my own. Um, well, you know, I mean, the thing is, yes, of course, if, if you would hire um, people like freelancers done for you services from the start that would, you know, give, in, give you a lot of additional resources to spend on what you really love doing and, and speed up the whole process of your business development. On the other hand, um, you've learned a lot, you know. I have uh, learned a lot. Yeah, but, but of course, the speed of your business development would be much higher if you would have that business owner mindset from beginning. So, you know, I want to own this business, not be a solopreneur and do everything by myself, which is something that often happens with people who start entrepreneurial journey uh, is the, that, that, you know, oh, I need to learn this and this and this. I mean, it's not a bad thing to learn but that just slows down how fast you will progress through your business development. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, I really look back on the year because the business has been, you know, our, our quote doors have been open a year, even though it's all online. And I look back at the goals I had for this last year and then what actually happened in this last year. And I was unable to meet the goals that I set for myself, which I know is common for, you know, young businesses, but had I stopped to ask the questions and stopped to get the help, I think I would have been a little bit closer to meeting the goals that I had set for myself. Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, when, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, um, when we set goals, um, often we set goals that we have, we, we don't have like a solid base why we are setting that goal. Um, so it's not like, Oh, we already know that, uh, the, the, and then we don't have action steps that align with the goals that we set. So that, that's usually one thing. And the second thing with the goals that you have to be very careful is setting goals that are too much out of your control. Yes. Um, unless you have enough predictable data from the past, you know, so let's say if you're new, new to the online world saying, I will add 100 people to my network every week um, is a wrong goal because you can't influence those 100 people to actually click. What you can do is I can send 100 requests. Let's see what happens. And then later with time, 
as you start seeing patterns emerge, you can say, mm -hmm, okay, if I send 100 requests, I get 75 people in my network. And then if you say, okay, my goal is to increase that to 150, then you just have to double the amount of requests that you send out. But when you're creating a new process, you shouldn't base goals of that process on things that are outside of your control. Hmm. Uh, because, because honestly, you, you have no way of knowing how you know, other people will respond if you send requests or if you do this or if you do that. Now with time, as you gather the data, you can start seeing patterns and you can say, oh, on average, when I do 10 sales calls, I get five clients. Okay, so if next week I want 10 clients, I need to do 20 calls. To get 20 calls, I need to um, send so many requests because I already know from the past that when I send, I don't know, like now I'm just going to throw some numbers around. If I send 100 requests to people, uh, 75 people connect. Out of those 75 people, 50 are ready to have a chat and I don't know, 40 express interest in what I do. When I jump on a call, out of those 40, 10 become my clients. That's how you start building a predictable process and KPIs, but you need some data before you can start building. And we start setting goals that are outside of what we control, uh, usually very quickly, without having any data from the past, what we are basing that goal on. And then, you know, you can just burn yourself out if you, if, if you, for example, say, oh, I want to talk with 50 people next week and, you know, to get 50 people to jump on a call with you, you will have to reach out to, I don't know, 200, 300, 400 people. And, and then, you know, uh, some people who are really goal achievers and, you know, they will do anything that it takes to achieve the goal that they set, um, then they usually burn themselves out. And so instead of working smart, they work hard, uh, but you know, they are burning out their resources, especially time. So mm -hmm. in spend, instead of having time to do reflection, to ask themselves good questions, to improve on the process, uh, they just keep going, keep going, keep going until they burn out. Yeah, yeah. The, you make a lot of good points. So... Any other struggles that you experienced in, in this short uh, span of uh, being the entrepreneur? Hmm. And no. especially I'm interested in how you overcame them, you personally, how, how you overcame those struggles. Yeah, I, uh, I think a question, well, here's another thing that I, I did wrong is I tried to do... I tried to meet too many needs at one time. Like I heard the voices in the community. For example, I, I spoke at a group here in Nashville and I heard, I don't know where the resources are and I don't know any other people in my same season of life. So I hosted an event thinking I'm going to help bridge that. No problem. I got this. And it was a fine event, but my return on investment was not worth it. And I hated it. And so I just, I, I, I took a month and I thought, I'm just going to try and simplify my brain and not try to be all things to all people. 
but I started asking people that love me well, um, who do you see me as as a business owner? Who do you see me as as an entrepreneur? Like what characteristics of my business um, do you think I excel at? Like I'm not a party planner. I'm not an event planner, but I, I planned an event and I, I hated every minute of it and every minute of it gave me angst. And so at that event last year, I said, Hey, I'm going to do this annually. I'm not going to do it again because it wasn't a good thing for me. And so I think something that has been really good is for me, at least is to stop and ask myself the questions of like, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? And what do people like affirm in me? Um, and that, that has been really, really good for me to just take a step back and say, I can do these, these two things. Like my, the people unanimously said, you're a good therapist and you're a good writer. Stick to those things. And I'm like, okay, I got that. I can, I can do that. And they said, if there's time, do speaking. Great. I can do that. I'm not an event planner. I'm not, do you know what I mean? So yeah, but, um, what I would challenge you here would be, okay, so you did the event and obviously it wasn't an enjoyable thing for you. And I can imagine because I, I, I've had clients who were doing events and, and I learned through them what goes into creating a successful event. And it's quite a lot. And, yeah. uh, but what I would challenge you here would be, okay, can you sit down and look back at that event, reflect on it, and then, you know, what were some of the good things that you would do again? And what were all the bad things that need to be done, but not necessarily by you to pull off that kind of an event? And that, you know, I mean, I wouldn't just give up on, on, on something like that if anything at all was enjoyable and like you know if if you brought some value to people and they really uh, uh found that valuable and so on i wouldn't just give up on that i would just approach it with you know lessons learned from that first event and maybe there's you know there's an event company that you can just hire now you know maybe you say oh but i don't have the funds to pay for all of that well you could pre-sell the event and so on, you know? And, yep. and so th there's plenty of things how you could do things differently um, to make it fun and enjoyable for you while you still do the event, but you have, don't have to do anything uh, that was terrible or, or disliked. Right, yeah. So that, okay. that can be a challenge. Yeah, it's a good word. Not this year, maybe another year. If I had yeah. more... I'm yeah, not going to I'm, I'm, the table completely, but I, I feel like I just have other stuff to focus on here. No, no, of course. You need to have your priorities. You can't be on too many things at once uh, because then you're not generating any momentum in any part. Um, right. I would just, you know, like I wouldn't put something like that because of one time bad experience completely off the table. Um, yes, off the table in the way that you did it the first time. Uh, but I would sit down and I would brainstorm a little bit. Hmm, is there another way to do it 
where I would have much more fun and it would be much more enjoyable for me if we do it that way. Sure. Yeah. Maybe 2021. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Can you tell us a little bit about you, who, who you are as a person? Uh, we've been talking about, you know, you, the entrepreneur and your entrepreneurial experiences. And we kind of did a little bit of uh, unasked for coaching in between. I mean, I'm sorry, I know you didn't ask me for my opinion, but um, sometimes I just jump in uh, and, and, and I give advice, even if it's unsolicited. Um, notes. It's okay. Um, and yeah, but could you tell us just, you know, uh, a little bit about you as the person? Yeah. Um, I am, hmm, who am I as a person? Typically this question is who are you and what do you do? I feel like is, is a really cultural norm to say that. So who am I apart from that? I'm a wife and I'm a mom. I have two sons, um, that are adopted, um, into our family from Ethiopia and are just the apple of our eye. Um, I am an adventure seeker, I think, modestly so. I'm not going to jump out of an airplane, but I'm always looking for my next trip. Right now, I'm trying to get to all 50 states. <laughs> and so I'm uh, planning a lot of that. We are a football-loving family, not football, the European football that you might think of, um, but like American-style football. So um, how was the Super Bowl for you? Yeah, um, our food was good. I don't really care about those teams. Sorry, Chief and Fortnite. <laughs> okay. Um, we, uh, we're big, we're actually Ohio State football fans. So college football is kind of what we watch more of, the Super Bowl. Listen, we had some really good food. No line dancing, though. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, we have a son with autism, and so truth is, our world's pretty small. We don't. Um, we uh, we're a family that stays home a lot, and we're a family that just kind of revolves around that in this season of life. Um, but my family is hands down the most amazing thing to me, and my biggest blessing. And so, I think if you just ask for a summarized sentence of who I am, my family is who I am, and I love them dearly. That's really nice. Um, now, I, I, I will ask you, like, I, you know, who knows? Maybe there are people who are listening to this who could benefit from, you know, the help that you offer um, in what you do. So please tell us, uh, you know, what are the things that you help people with? Who should reach out to you? Yeah. So... I own the Missing Peace Project, P-E-A-C-E. -E. And what I say, my goal of it is, is to help infertile people live well during their wait for baby. So in my practice, what I heard a lot was, you know, when we're creating goals, you know, what do you want? How do you want life to look different in six months? Everybody says, I just want to be a mom. I want to be a dad. Well, I can't help you with that. Um, but what I can do is let's maximize your wait time. You know, let's if you go through infertility or loss, the risk of postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, marital conflict, divorce is higher than, than average. And so I feel like 
what is necessary in this population is to help people get strong now um, so they're not putting all that pressure on a baby to make them happy. Um, so I have an eight session online curriculum called Peace and Fertility. And I have some coaching, I, um, obviously, and I wrote a book called Not Pregnant, and I actually am working on a Peace and Fertility workbook that I'm gonna come out with soon. This is actually, you know, the first time I've actually spoken that to anybody outside of my immediate circle here. So I have a children's book coming out this year on secondary infertility, so I'm pretty excited about that too. Oh, nice. Well, we will include all your links into the show notes as well. So um, if anybody from our audience wants to find you and reach out to you, they can definitely sc scroll down to the show notes and click it to click on the links there and they will be able to get in touch with you. Great. And now my last question before we say goodbye. Uh, what's the last golden nugget of wisdom? that you want to share with our audience, something that you want to leave them with. It can be related to what we talked about, it can be unrelated, whatever you feel is that last golden nugget of wisdom that you want to leave them with. Oh man, that's big. I think, <laughs> I feel like I, I need to make a speech or something. Here's what I've been doodling the whole time that we've been talking. Work smarter, not harder. You alluded to that earlier. And I think I, I created more work for myself by not working smart. And so that is my takeaway from all of this. And so it will be my takeaway. What I, what I give to your audience is that we need to work smarter and not harder. Yes, that's absolutely very, very much true. Um, I, I'm, I get goose, no, no, not goosebumps, but I, I don't know what, I mean, um, when, you know, certain influential people talk about, um, hustle, hustle, grind, grind 24 seven, you know, um, I mean, that will only get you into hospital that will get you divorced. That will get yeah. you, I don't know, all of the bad things. Um, I mean, yes. I agree that sometimes you need to make a sprint or two or three, but that should be very limited, maybe for a week or two weeks when you just need to finish something uh, and to give it a bit of a, an additional momentum, but that should not turn into marathon. And I think too many people online are talking about that as being the way of you live. And it's a very, very wrong way. I mean, if you look at it, we entrepreneurs, by definition, why we enter entrepreneurship is freedom. Yeah. Freedom. You only have freedom when you have time and money. So, you know, the freedom of time, the freedom of money equals the freedom of choice. That's the right freedom. And you can't have that if you work 24-7. It's, it's just impossible to have the freedom of choice. And so it goes against everything that, you know, entrepreneurs should be standing for. Um, and uh, yeah, working smart and not hard is definitely the right approach if you want the freedom of choice. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So <clears throat> I will say thank you. Thank you for being my guest. It, it wasn't, uh, uh, this wasn't the usual interview or the usual conversation. 
but I really very much liked it. Um, I, I was really looking forward to this episode because, you know, um, my starts go back into 1998, 97, 99, and a lot has changed. And, and it was really nice to bring somebody who went through this uh, not long ago and you were able to pinpoint some of the things that uh, probably a lot of people in our audience are struggling with. And I appreciate you for doing that. I really do. Um, so I thank you. I wish you all the best on your journey. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to hear from you in the future how everything is going for you. Take care. Yeah.